Hey everyone, welcome to Off Topic with Darren Wilson. My name is Darren and I will be your host. On this episode, I sit down with Mallory Mackey. Mallory is a writer, an actress, a model, just to name a few. We talk about her book titled My Playboy Story, which details her time hanging out at the legendary Playboy Mansion. Also, growing up on the East Coast, her adventures of migrating to the West Coast to pursue her dreams, and really much, much more. You are sure to enjoy her stories, so sit back and enjoy. Hi, Mallory. Hi, Darren. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome, of course. And thanks for letting me in the house to do it. (laughs) Of course. Let's talk about your book first. And I just finished reading it last night, and... I actually read most of it yesterday, so it was like, okay, I'm into it. I can't put it down now. I got to finish it. It's easy to read in one setting, which is, you know, it's pretty short and sweet and to the point, which is good. So you have some pretty good stories and some pretty good memories from what's in the book and and Mm -hmm. the subject of the book. For everybody that's listening... um, Mallory wrote a book about her time at the Playboy Mansion. No, she was not a playmate. She was, um, she never posed for Playboy. She just managed to be a friend. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it because you just hung out there. And so, give us a little bit of what's in the book without giving too much of the book away. Right. So the book it's about my story. You know, I really wanted it to be like my journal because I would come home and write every day. And so it just was kind of, you know, excerpts from my journal that kind of I put together to become a full story. And it's also, you know, about I transitioned from Virginia. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. You know, it was kind of like girl next door. Like Hollywood is very foreign to me. And moving out here and, and just how different everything is. And getting into the modeling world and then, you know, transitioning into the world of Playboy. And I just, I don't know, you know, how I got to the mansion still. It was kind of just luck. You know, I, I sent an, an email to Hef's assistant and she, you know, showed him and he just happened to be like, yeah, I want her to come up. And so I started going to movie nights and watching the old classic movies up there and and made a lot of friends. And, you know, it just was a part of my life. I feel like in a time when I needed that too, because I was struggling, I didn't have a lot of money and I would just be able to go get this really nice meal and hang out with good people on the weekends, which I didn't have that. So it was like a family I kind of developed in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But to backtrack a little bit, it wasn't as simple and easy as sending an email to (laughs) his assistant. You had to go through some, let's say crap. To, yes, and you know it was. Um, Which is all in the book. <laughs> it's all in the book. Uh, I loved the girls next door. You know, I want definitely wanted to go, you know, be at the mansion and spend time there and hung out with the wrong people. I feel like initially the to try to you know get in. So you can read all about that in the book. I don't want to give too much away, but it was very very much an adventure. But you didn't sell yourself out. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> During those times, you, it was you had a mission and mm-hmm. and you accomplished your goals without again selling yourself out and compromising mm-hmm. what you thought or believed in. So it's true. And you know what? I don't I don't drink. You know, there's been like problems in my family with with drinking and everything. So a big thing for me is you know while I might have a glass of wine occasionally, I'm never gonna be that party person and I'm never gonna go out and get drunk or party too hard. And you know, I feel like. That's most of L.A. It's most of Hollywood, at least the bad side of Hollywood. So, you know, I just made sure that I stayed true to that and I wasn't going to compromise. And, you know, coming from Virginia, too, I mean, I'm sure some people do drugs, but it's not a very, like, common mainstream thing. So, you know, going into a club in Hollywood and seeing people do cocaine, I mean, it's shocking, you know, as someone that, you know, coming from a small town that's never even seen cocaine before, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what Yeah, I was, I was at a rap party last year, and I went to the bathroom, and in the hallway, right outside the bathroom, there's a sign that says, please don't do coke in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's, that's your artwork inside this, this club? <laughs> I okay. mean, from what I hear now from people that, like, everyone I've talked to pretty much that's grown up in Los Angeles, like, oh, yeah, people start cocaine in high school, and I'm like, What? That's crazy. So you did well in staying away from it and, again, staying true to yourself. And mm-hmm. So what were your favorite memories and experiences at the mansion? Oh, that's a good one. You were telling me before we started that 
movie night was just incredible. Yes, I movie nights are my favorite, and I would I was like a Friday movie night girl. You know, there was different different movies for different days, and so you know Friday was like an old classic, and then Saturday was old classic too, and then Sunday was like the new modern movies. And I I just didn't. I mean, some of them you know you want to see, and it's cool that you get to see them from the mansion, and you don't have to go to the theater to see them. So it was kind of neat because there's still movies in theater that he would play on Sundays, right. like he would have the permission to play them. Being half, he had some leeway and. Exactly. Some perks to being Hugh Hefner. But I, I didn't, you know, those were always crowded for me. Everyone wanted to come to those. I liked the Friday nights, and it was just me and one or two other girls that would like to come on Friday. And um, I got introduced to classic cinema that way. There were so many movies I never would have watched, I wouldn't have cared to watch, that I did, and they became my favorites. Like, I love Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot is probably one of, like, my ultimate favorite movies. Top, top two or three. Like, love it. And I, you know... We're talking about it at dinner time before the movie and everyone's saying, oh, it's a Marilyn Monroe movie. And I just had this, I don't know, different idea of what a Marilyn Monroe movie would be because I honestly hadn't seen any. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch one of those movies, you know. And and then Hef would uh, get up on his couch and he would read a description of what the movie was and cool facts about it. Like a couple, you know, some of his friends were like movie connoisseurs and so they would write out these interesting facts from filming. And so, you know, he gets up on the couch arm and he's reading it to me and you know, to everybody there. And I'm like, wow, this sounds really good. I think I'm going to enjoy this one. You know, it kind of changed everything. And then I watched it and it became one of my favorite movies. Awesome. Same thing with Bonnie and Clyde. You know, I did always kind of want to watch it, but I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't at the mansion. So there was just so many movies I wouldn't have seen, you know. And, and then I, I saw on your Instagram, you got to see uh, Bonnie and Clyde's car. Yes, that was so incredible for me. I, I, so I like weird things. I'm actually in process of like developing, you know, I don't want to say too much, but like a travel show. Wait, an actress that likes weird <laughs> things? Come on. And I love strange and unusual things around the world that people don't always know about. And obviously this one is more mainstream, but it toured around for a long time. And now it's at Whiskey Pete's Casino on the way to Vegas. And okay. we keep going back and forth to Vegas all the time because... You know, for jobs, I used to host pool parties in Vegas. The When I worked for Benchwarmer, the trading card conventions are all mm -hmm. in Vegas, usually. Like, the big industry summit is in Vegas every year. So I would always go back and forth and, and see it, but I would stop at the other side because they had a Starbucks. So, you know, so I'd stop at the <laughs> Starbucks. I have a Starbucks problem. And I would see the sign, you know, across the street, Whiskey Pete's Bonnie and, Car Death Cly uh, Bonnie and, Bonnie and Clyde Death Car. And I'm like, wow, I want to see that. And, I, and we never stopped. And then... You know, me and my husband, Damien, we went to the Rise Lantern Festival this year, which we do every year. It's where people will light lanterns and release them in the sky mm -hmm. for loved ones and their dreams. And I think this was our third year or fourth year. And it actually got canceled, but it got canceled after we had been sitting in the desert for five hours waiting to release the lanterns. Ugh. And then it got too windy and they didn't do it. And, and I was crying because it's like my special place, you know. And so I was a wreck and we're going back. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to stop in and see that car and make me feel better. So we finally stopped <laughs> over to the car. And it's, it, it, I mean, it's the real car, you know. They have right. the certificates of authentication. And if you, and I was even curious too. So I like looked up the pictures from the, you know, the scene. Mm -hmm. And the bullet holes match. Like it's pretty. Yeah, they never fixed it. It's just mm -mm. they put it in impound and then pulled it out and put it on tour. I know. And for a while when it was on tour, people would take pictures in it, which is like really creepy. I was like reading up its history. And so like the seat was changed out. So you weren't sitting in like blood. Right. And that was it. But people would take pictures. And I'm like, that's kind of disturbing. That's, that's a little bit much. <laughs> yeah. But mm. now it's behind glass, you know. And they actually have like one of Clyde's shirts too. is the shirt he got like killed in. And it, it's kind of crazy because you look at it first and you're like, how did how did he die in that? There's no blood. And then you get up really close and you realize there's a lot of blood on it. It's just so faded. Oh, okay. But you can see, you know, like the, the very light brown where all the blood was. And you're like, oh. Very so that's that's not an obsession with liking weird things. That I, I would love to see that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's fascinating. It's a part of history. And hopefully it's one of those things that will go along with uh, Scared Straight. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's that's real. There's, uh, what, a few hundred bullet holes in that car? Oh, yeah. At least? They were so afraid. I actually read um, Blanche uh, Codwell-Barra was Clyde's brother. What's his name? Clyde's brother's wife. And she wrote a book because she's the only person that survived 
you know, the adventures with Bonnie and Clyde. Everyone else, you know, was killed from the main four anyway, because right. it was Bonnie, Clyde, his brother, Buck, and then her. And in the end, and Bonnie and Clyde were obviously killed. Uh, Buck was killed, and then she walked away. And so she wrote an autobiography about it years later. And it's fascinating to me. It's very interesting because, you know, she's this pastor's daughter. She's very sweet, but she just loved her husband so much that she got caught up in everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had, like, an affinity for that story, and, it, and it's a fantastic book. So that kind of drew me to it, too. See, this is why I called my show Off Topic. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do this. Um, anything else about the mansion and movie nights? I know Casablanca, after reading the book, oh, Casablanca yes. was is one of your favorites. And I can probably quote like 80% of Casablanca because, you know, you, we watched it so many times. It was Hef's favorite movie. Uh-huh. So every year for his birthday, the men would dress up in the white suits and the women would have to wear a dress from, you know, like the 40s or 50s. And we'd all come together the Friday. But the time when I was there, it was the Friday before Hef's birthday. And we would watch Casablanca. And beforehand, you know, it was like this whole caviar and lobster dinner. And then we watch it. And then we come out and they turn the dining room into Rick's Cafe and everyone has caviar awesome. and cake. It, it was really, it was really awesome experience. I That's mean, so and cool. I love Casablanca. It's so yeah. clever. What's your favorite line? We'll always have Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, when they they break into you know the establishment to close it down for gambling, and mm-hmm. and obviously you know Louis the cop his been in on the gambling and he's like i'm closing your establishment he's like why i'm shocked to find there's gambling here and he's like, you're winning sir shocked you know and, right and he's like they give him his winnings when he's yelling about how there's gambling here but i'm keeping my winnings exactly <laughs> it's pretty clever <laughs> there's just like a way people would speak back then it's yes. so clever right and it's so well tailored and it's not like that in movies anymore at all nope. Like, I mean, just watching, you know, like, everybody loved uh, all those movies, like The Bachelorette and, like, all these movies, you know, where it's just so kind of dumbed down. And I and I missed the old cinema and That's how nice way clever to say it. it was. Yes. <laughs> there really should be more dialogue-driven movies mm-hmm. and, and plots and storylines that make you think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Make you pay attention to the whole movie instead of just waiting for the action scenes. Exactly. And I, you know, and I noticed that because we would watch a classic movie on Friday. And then if I came back on Sunday and it's some modern movie and I'm like, this does nothing for me comparatively. Right. Like I'm skipping Monday movie nights now. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the same. But then for whatever reason, you know, everyone at, at I swear, not everyone, but most of the girls at the Playboy Mansion love Disney. I don't know how Disney winds up getting so involved, but you know, <laughs> that's a big part of my book too. It is. And that reminds me, I took a video on my way up here for you. Oh, really? Because I come up the five. Mm-hmm. So I drove right past Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> I love Disneyland. You know what? I, it's sad too because I haven't been in like a year maybe. And and that, that's uh, intense for me. I, I know. You're going to say years. <laughs> but I mean, I stopped, I stopped having a pass for the last like two or three years because they hiked it up so much and I love Disney but you know I was paying like $50 a month for my my intense pass that I could Mm -hmm. pay with the free parking and then they they almost doubled the price a few years ago and you know I got the the memo and I'm like okay everyone's not you know renewing their passes I don't have anyone to go with and it's almost double I'm just gonna step away yeah I I had a pass a few years ago too and that's kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. especially with Star Wars land it's gonna be a madhouse yeah and I and I, I love it, but you know, Holly was all about it. She had the Club Thirty Three membership, and then Crystal had the Club Thirty Three membership. And I, I just I remember going to Club Thirty Three for the first time. I thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world, and I still I love it. You know, it's it's pretty great. Which you talk about in detail in the book. I do. I hint, have a hint, lot of details. People, you get her book. There's <laughs> a lot about Club Thirty Three, and when they, you know, they changed it up, they like rebuilt it and renovated it, mm-hmm. so it went from being what it was. To this whole new experience in like 2014 or 15. And, you know, I got to go for the opening for it, like the first group of people to get to do the tour. And I was so excited. And again, you know, I put that in detail in the book too, everything about it. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go back and take one of those tours, pay mm-hmm. for the tour, and just to be able to go up to Walt's apartment mm-hmm. above the fire station. How cool was that? 
That was amazing. It, it's such a piece of history. And, you know, I was kind of obsessing over it for a while because I was going to go there with Crystal and then it didn't work out. And we actually, we were at Disneyland for Marston's graduation, who's Hef's, one of Hef's sons. Mm-hmm. And so we had a, a guide and we were, you know, getting to cut the lines. And, and I remember talking to the guide and I was like, Justin. I don't know why I remember his name was Justin, but it was. <laughs> I'm like, Justin, how does one get to see Walt's apartment if they're not a Club 33 member? Like, what can someone do? Because I know, you know, you're kind of SOL if you want to go see Club 33 and you're not a member. But, but you know, like Walt's apartment, there's got to be a way. And he's... He told me, well, you know, there's this tour that Disneyland offers, and if you take the tour, you get to go up to the apartment and get a picture in there in the end. And, and I'm like, okay. So we did that for my birthday. And Disneyland actually offers a ton of tours that you would have no idea, you oh, know. Really? So there's like, if you go to their website and you just place, just search like for their tours. Uh-huh. So they, they're cheaper for pass holders, but anybody can take them. But it's like right. you're paying an additional fee. Sure. So if you're a pass holder, it's way easier because, you know, it might be like, you know, 50 to $80 for the day for the tour, but it's worth it because you didn't pay to get into the park. And there's some, like one of them, the cheapest one I think is like about like the horticulture where they show you all the plants at Disneyland. I never did that one because that was, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure it's interesting, but I, it didn't sound like, you know, and then we did the walk, walk in Walt's Footsteps, which is the one where you saw his apartment. And it's all about the history of Disneyland. And all the tours come with, like, food and lunch and little snacks. And then there's a Halloween tour, which is booked out forever in advance. So if you want to do the Halloween tour, you got to call months and months in advance, oh. where you go kind of trick-or-treating and get little snacks. And then you get to cut the line for Space Mountain and Big Thunder and Haunted Mansion. And one of your tour host is master gracie and master gracie was like the guy that ran the haunted mansion so he's really cool so so that one's really fun and then there's a christmas one where you get to get the front row for like the parade which is cool so there's a bunch of cool things at disneyland that you might not know about that anybody can do you know as long as you pay for it and we actually went to disney world this past year for my birthday because i hadn't been in 10 years and i was so excited to go to disney world because i grew up on the east coast and you know disney world is my thing and i found out there was this tour called keys to the kingdom and they actually show you the underground tunnels, like the Utilidor tunnels. And so we did that for my birthday, and I was so excited. You can't obviously can't take any pictures or any video, but you get to go through a whole tour of like the underground tunnels at Disney World. I never knew those existed. Yeah, they're not at Disneyland. Disneyland right. is, you know, everything's backstage. Because mm-hmm. I actually, the first time I ever went to Disneyland, I was in a commercial. And they dressed me up like a balloon vendor, and I had to go through this whole thing. Okay. So you know, I got to go through the backstage area, and I didn't realize how cool it was, I guess, at the time. But it's very different at Disney World because you know they don't want to ruin the illusion, and they don't want like a you know cowboy from uh, Frontierland in Tomorrowland. So they don't right. want the employees to have to walk through the park. So there's tunnels under all the parks that connect them, and you know there's like a color system where there's a pink under fantasy land so if there's pink on the wall where you are you're under fantasy land okay. and and it just you know helps to keep the illusion and you get to kind of see it it's pretty cool very cool i think you can't oh there's a, a kitty door yeah um we did it again we got on topic <laughs> but that's that's okay because it doesn't matter there's no rules here we get to do whatever <laughs> we, we want uh, so let's go back a little mm-hmm. bit and We'll get back to the mansion because I know everybody wants to hear more about the mansion. So you are an East Coast girl mm-hmm. born in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you studied acting out in Virginia? I did, yes. I started I started acting actually in middle school and then I just found a love for it. And luckily the high school where I went to had five or six shows a year. So we were always doing shows. So I kind of became, you know one of the regulars in the theater department there I always take the theater class you know audition for all the shows and so that was kind of like you know my high school life was was doing plays Mm -hmm. and I really did love theater um we went to me and my husband Damien actually both went to college for theater so we went to VCU out there it's a big art school and their their theater program is pretty intense like it's probably as intense as it could be without being a conservatory because it's not you know it's a regular college it's not a conservatory but you had to audition to get in and then after two years of being with the program, you had to audition again. And if you weren't up to where they wanted you to be, you were kicked out. Okay. So it was very intense, you know, and if you missed three classes, we were out. You know, it was very, like, very disciplinary, Damn. very, 
conservatory bass. You know, our teachers, you know, my movement teacher used to choreograph things on Broadway. Like it was very, very big theater school, very much like that. We love theater. We kind of hit a point partway through where both of us were thinking, we don't would like film more. And there's not as much film in there. We did take some classes where they had like acting for the camera, but it was like near the end. And then our senior year, there were, what's it called? Like um, showcases that we would do. Right. And they would go to DC and they, it was in front of agents and casting directors and people to try to get you involved in the community theater in DC. There's one in New York and that was it. Or no, in Chicago. So there was the New York, Chicago, DC, and that was it. And, you know, me and Damien went up to our teacher and we're like, what about L.A.? Like, we, we want to go to L.A. What, what, what are people, what's going to happen for people want to go to L.A.? And she's like, you know, no one's ever really asked me about that before. I don't know. And, and kind of did some research. And she actually got us connected with this uh, organization called the Actors Connection that did a showcase out here in Los Angeles. And so we were actually the first class to come out to Los Angeles to get to do that. And what it is, it's like a workshop work bunch of workshops it's like for a week's time I think it was a week and it's like four workshops a day you would meet with different casting directors you would read their sides they would give you feedback some of them were agents managers but mostly casting directors and it kind of got you meeting professionals out here and so you know we did that and then that kind of solidified we wanted to be out here so as soon as we graduated we just got a moving van a couple of our friends you know we all came out together to make it easier and drove cross country (laughs) <laughs> that's a big move it's not only to come across the country but to come across to LA for mm-hmm. the film and TV business it, it was intense and I mean especially you know I was lucky enough to have a job lined up because that for years I was a manager at Victoria's Secret and then I you know dropped down to being just like a you know associate but I still had the position out here to be able to come move over here not that I was getting paid you know much because it's retail but it but, was something. But to come out here with a job lined up, mm-hmm. that's that helps set your mind at ease a little bit. Exactly. And make it easier. There, I mean, there were definitely, you know, the first year to probably like year, year and a half we were out here, there were many, many times where, you know, you have 10 cents in your account. And you're like, well, I guess I'm going to eat some ramen and toast. Yep. <laughs> like everybody else does. <laughs> the old standby meal. Exactly. Whatever fills the belly. So you guys made it out here. Mm-hmm squeaky chair you landed and um what did you guys do and how did it go your first let's say first year you were here you know I I thought we did pretty well like I mean we didn't really really didn't have much but but we were happy and I mean I I, I'm very detail oriented and so I got an agent immediately because I was like okay I gotta get they don't actually exist anymore but there used to be a a book from Samuel French Mm -hmm. that had all the agents listed called the right agent everyone in LA and what they were looking for and so that was perfect so I would you know go through the book and I would circle who I was going to submit my headshots to and then I would go and print them and then send them out and I was really adamant about it so I actually did get an agent from that which was fantastic and, and I would be on LA, or Actors Access, LA Casting every day, submitting myself for work. And, you know, and while, while I wasn't on any, like, crazy major mainstream TV stuff right away, you know, I still would get my auditions. I did a lot of, like, little indie things. And we actually did the Actors Connection again because we were out living in LA. And, you know, now we're here, so we're ready. To, like, before we were in Virginia, they couldn't really cast you for anything. They couldn't really do much. So now that we're here, we did it again. And... We actually pretty much owe a lot of the work we've done through the Actors Connection because, you know, we met with uh, this guy named Ryan Glasgow, who's a manager, and he was really cool, and, he, you know, him and Damien and me became really good friends, and we started going to his classes because he had, you know, his acting technique classes, like, for audition technique, and he was like, I want to, I really want to do this show, and I want to get it off the ground, and it was this um, silly little web series about, like, being a casting director, and, okay. you know, what they go through every day and right. how bitter they are. But it's, like, funny. You know, it's, it's a comedy. And it was really – and, you know, good job thanks is them really saying, like, okay, next. You know? And, and it's really funny. And, and it, was, it was amusing. And so, you know, he got one of his uh, clients to be the director. And then me and Damien, you know, came on to help wherever we could. And we all kind of made it happen. So we made this web series. And, you know, the first one I'll never forget was with uh, 
Jonathan Bennett. He was he was Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls, you know. And okay. so I loved Mean Girls, and I and I just <laughs> couldn't believe that we had you know the guy from Mean Girls in our web series, and it was really cool. And so you know it, it was something like it was very small, but it was something we all loved and and worked on together. And then you know from that we made other connections, and then you know the guy that directed good job thanks was making indie films and he would hire us for his indie films and you know from there it's all about who you know right and it kind of you know snowballed into all of the films we've done because we've done a lot of indie films together they're all very low budget but it's just been from people we've met from that right and then you've done a bunch of commercials as well Mm -hmm. what's your your biggest role that somebody might recognize you in or let's see you know I mean, I, I did that Disneyland commercial, and I was so excited because I was like, you could see me riding Space Mountain when you would go to the movie theaters, and I thought that was so cool. Like, Or not Space Mountain, uh, Big Thunder Mountain. I'm like, oh, that's right. me. I'm Big Thunder Mountain right there. <laughs> um, but actually, I did this show called My Haunted House, and it was, on, it was made for the bio channel, so it was kind of like an offshoot channel, but it was like the third or fourth episode they had ever done of it. And it was kind of like a reenactment thing. It was about like, you know, real stories about haunted houses. And I actually came in to play like a 24, 25 year old because I was like 24. And they were like, no, no, I see you playing 15. And so they actually cast me as a 15 year old like from that. Yes, I was playing 15 and I was definitely like 10 years older for sure. And I was playing 15 year old. And because it was the second, third, fourth, like one of the first episodes of the show, it was all over their whole like advertisement for it. And for whatever reason, they advertised this everywhere. How many years ago was this that you played a 15-year It was 2013, I think. 2014, maybe. Something like that. Okay, well, you can still play a 15-year-old. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But they, they advertised it so heavily that and I was in like like 50% of the trailer because it was you know the first couple episodes of the show was all they had and it was on ABC it was on all the mainstream channels so everyone I knew was like reaching out to me like Mallory are you in the show coming up because I keep seeing you on TV you know but it was like all over and it was for like a kind of not mainstream channel but it was right. all over everything because they were you know, plastering their advertising everywhere so that was kind of cool nice Okay, so I remember reading in the book about a a gig you got, and Damien was on this with you, um, where you guys had to go back east and blew up a... <laughs> what yes. did you blow up? I blew up a house. The whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing. It was called uh, Justice, and it was actually Oklahoma. And it was very interesting because we, we shot in Prague, Oklahoma. And Prague, Oklahoma is like the middle of nowhere. There is one traffic light in the entire town. Like, that's it. And there was a subway and a Dollar General and, like, a diner. And that was it. Like, it was, like, nothing. I I also remember that you were very mad and had to drive 45 minutes to get your what? My chai. Yes. (laughs) It's my poor Starbucks. It was – we had to drive a solid 45 minutes to an hour anytime I wanted Starbucks. But – it was worth it because, you know, I mean, you have a really long day on set and you're like, I could go home and sleep right now or I could go get Starbucks. And then when you're in the mood, you just commit. <laughs> so, but it was, it was really, it was a great experience, actually. I think it was our first time, you know, doing a, a film somewhere else, like on location. Mm-hmm. And you, for the, for indie films like that, you have to be able to bring a lot to the table. So. Right. I was in it, but then at the same time, they're not going to fly you out to just be in it unless you're, like, really a name. So it's like, what else can you bring to the table? So I did Scripty, and I also acted in it. (laughs) And same thing with Damien. He was in it, but he was also AD. But, yeah, Scripty, I have a love-hate relationship with Scripty. Like, I'll still do it for for people that I love. I'll be their Scripty, but it's not... And a lot of money. And a lot of money. It's not very many people, (laughs) but, you know, I'm really good at it because I have OCD and I notice everything. But it is a very hard job, because, and it's very underappreciated. Yes, the editors will be so mad if Scripty doesn't do a good job. It's true. And, you know, everything is kind of on you because while makeup should be focusing on their own continuity and while costumes should be taking their own continuity pictures, in the end, if they don't do it right, it all comes back to Scripty anyway. You know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, everything is Scripty's fault. And, and if they don't pay attention or notice every detail of everything, it's a problem. So, so it was a very stressful job. Like I, 
I was really good at it because, like I said, I'm OCD, but it was not, not, not my favorite thing to do. But, but, you know, it wasn't terrible either. And it was a, it was a great movie. You know, we worked with uh, John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard, and he was so cool. Like, yeah. such a nice guy. Really, really nice guy. And then uh, Tiny Lister, who was like, was Debo on Friday. He okay. was he was there, and you know the the guy that directed it. We actually did multiple movies with him. He was from ER. His name is, and, and Friday too. His okay. name is Demetrius, and he we worked on many many movies together. You know, and he was he was I guess had the connection with Tiny because he was in Friday too. So, and you acted in this movie. I well. did. Yes. Did you have any scenes with John Sch- Schneider? No, I wanted what? to. I know. I was I was the mayor's assistant, so every time you would see me, I was in like the mayor's office and. So I didn't, I didn't get to do any scenes with John. I would have loved to. But, you know, I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica nerd. I, like, I love Buffy. I love Angel. All those kind of shows. And then one of the writers from Buffy, you know, wrote the new, uh, new Battlestar Galactica, the one that they redid in, like, the 2000s. And I love it. And one of the actresses from that... Her name is Kate Vernon. She was in a movie that I did, and, and that was really cool, getting to, like, you know, and I had a scene with her, and I was so excited to get to work with someone that I, I loved in Battlestar so much. So it's always kind of fun when you get to work with somebody right. that you admire. And a show that you love. Exactly. So cool. That was cool. So there's another um, another thing that you're doing because you don't, have enough on your plate to begin know, with, right. with all the different jobs you do. And, um, you work at Viva Glam as well, but you are doing Mallory's adventures. I am. Yes, I, I never thought I'd be a writer, but the thing is I've always written and I guess I didn't realize how much I loved it until I wrote my book because, you know, in school they put you to write and you're like, Ugh, okay, I'm going to write. And, and it's like a task and you don't want to do it. But I realized when I'm not required to write and I can just, you know, write about what I love, I love doing it. It's, it's one of my favorite things. So I found that with the book, you know, and then I started working for Viva Glam and I love that. And then, you know. And you actually, write for them too. You write for them too. I just and read an article in the latest issue exactly. that you wrote. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. But Mallory's Adventures actually happened before Viva Glam. But, you know, I, I love travel and I just realized through so, all the indie film that I wanted travel to be a way of my life so that's what Mallory's Adventures is Mm -hmm. is a a travel blog it's a travel blog so I I don't know why but I found a love of travel and adventure I wanted to go to really unique places most people don't go to and you know it started where this is more mainstream but me and Damien just wanted to go to Ireland and so we, we didn't just go to Ireland like when I travel it's kind of intense like we did a a road trip through Ireland one one day like we we were there for maybe a week and then we hopped into Paris for a day but but we like committed to do a road trip one day from Dublin down to like Blarney uh through Cashill and then around and back because he wanted to see certain places and it kind of became this whole adventure and I'm like you know this is interesting and it'd be really fun to write about it so I start writing about you know the places we saw in Ireland the cool not so mainstream places that we found and then the next one we did, I committed to going to this place called, I'm, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but Kalkslautenen. Oh, Chezza! My cat just made a giant scene. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Okay. She tried to jump up on my desk and missed. That's just what happened there. Um, so Kalkslautenen. There's a video camera when you need it. <laughs> Kalkslautenen Arctic Resort is this Arctic resort up in Finland. And it got really big on Instagram and it's those glass igloos. Where okay. you sleep under the northern lights and those glass oh. igloos. It's so cool. I mean, of course, when we went, I saw like one northern light. They weren't really out because it was snowing the whole time mm-hmm. and it was a lot of snow. But it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Like you're really, like even though it's a resort, like you are you are in the middle of nowhere and you are in nature and you are in this old land and there's, you know, reindeer and, and you can go reindeer sledding. That was really cool. And like husky sledding. And then, you know, you have lunch and these activities in these teepees, but they're like winter teepees with a fire inside. How and cool. it was cool. It, it was really cool. So then I realized that, you know, I wanted to write a book about travel, but I wanted to start small. I wanted to put it out in a blog, get everything written, you know, and out there for people, and then later on turn it into something else. So writing's becoming a career for you. It is. <laughs> so. 
that that's the next one, you know, I'm like, that that's the next book. And, I, and I'm obviously not ready to start that yet. But I am also putting all this into like a, a pilot for a travel show. Oh, cool. And I have the means to just do it because, you know, we just make stuff. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to I made the sizzle reel. So the sizzle reel is out and it's on like my website and everything. So the and sizzle reel is there for Mallory'sAdventures.com. It's on Mallory'sAdventures.com okay. or MalloryMackie.com. It's on both. And this, I call it Weird World Adventures because it's like the weird places around the world. And, I, and the sizzle's together. And now I'm like before June, I've decided I'm going to put the pilot together. So I'm working on the pilot for it. And then obviously, then I'll start, you know, pitching to networks or places. Mm-hmm. But I just, feel like this is a good time and most travel is men and most tra- like most mainstream travel shows not all of them but most of them are hosted by men and most of them focus on you know these cool places everybody wants to go so mm-hmm. I'm like well I'm not a man like I feel like it'd be fun to see like a quirky you know real person and like a female out there doing that stuff and at places that are they're not mainstream and that most people don't know about you know, because a lot of people don't want to see the world for, world for themselves or they want to get ideas. And I'm sure they're tired of seeing the same places over and over again. So Yeah, I would prefer to take the backcountry tour mm-hmm. or the ones that aren't on the, the main tour guides cheat. It's like those are mm-hmm. the interesting places. Exactly. Those, those are the ones that are still real and, and not built up to look all fancy and nice. Right. And it, it's a struggle to get to them and it's harder to... To deal with them sometimes but that's why it's good to have like it blog and insider tips though about ways to to do it too because yes. yes. the catacombs you know i i research extensively before i go places and we went to paris most people for whatever reason don't go to the catacombs it's more the locals that wind up going to the catacombs but they're so cool mm-hmm. and i actually read before i went that you have to show up before it opens and if you don't show up before it opens you're you're screwed and so, you know, it opened at 9 in the morning. I think we got there at 8 a.m. And by the time we got there, the hour before it opened, there was already, you know, starting to lot like a lines forming around the street. So if you got there right when it opened, you were waiting three or four hours to get in. And so, you know, we just sat outside and waited and, and did our research. And then, I mean, that's one of the coolest places I've ever seen in my life is the Catacombs of Paris. Like they're... And is that one on on your website right it now? is okay. it is on it's on mallory's adventures.com okay. i'm so. gonna look at that one when i get home it, it's incredible and you know it's kind of disturbing in a way because paris they, there's no more cemeteries in paris because like like they, they don't ran out of room. they don't bear, they ran out of room but the ground's also not right for it so there got to be a point in like the i think it was the 15 or 1600s where bodies were rising up out of the ground because mm-hmm. it was like too wet to have bodies so king louis one of the louis took all the bodies from the cemeteries, dug them up, the headstones, and just put them in the tunnels because they had found these tunnels, which no one even knew how the tunnels under Paris got there. They just found them because, like, buildings started to fall in around that time. Mm. And they found them. So they started putting all the bodies down there. And they didn't... That was what they, and so then later on, this guy was like, well, I want to head this, and I'm going to make this more interesting. So he went down there and organized the bodies. And this way, though, like not like all the pieces aren't together, like all the femurs are stacked up here and there's some skulls here. And And it's almost like art. Earlier, you said you like weird things. What kind of. (laughs) Right. How do you nominate yourself for that job? (laughs) And it's like art. It's kind of almost tasteless. Like it walks a line where it's just like art from dead bodies. And, and it's been blessed many times because I feel I just would fear if it hadn't been blessed. You know what I mean? And it's it's. Definitely something you have to see once in your life. <laughs> and I take it there's a bunch of good pictures on Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of good pictures on the blog. Um, and especially, I mean, if you're claustrophobic, it's not a good place for you right. to go. So maybe just live through the pictures because especially going down and going back up, it's this tiny staircase, but like a circular staircase that's unbelievably small. And you're just going and going and going. And I think it's five or six stories underground. So you get to the point where you're like, am I going to keep going? Like, when do I get down? Or when do I get to the top when you're coming up? And then, you know, I'm getting tired. And I'm like, okay, I can't be that American that just stops everybody on the stairs (laughs) because no one can go past you. It's that small. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I'd do it. I'd I'd be, my skin would crawl, I'm (laughs) sure. But it would be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Somebody put that much effort into into organizing bodies. Yeah. And that that and then that one was like pretty and cool though. And then my my friend 
she's from Mexico. And I guess when she was a kid, she went to the Mummy Museum in Guanajuato. And so last year, she's like, we have to go. Because we were doing this whole road trip through, like, Mexico. And saw some really cool places. And they're all on the blog, too. And she's like, we have to go to the Mummy Museum in Guanajuato. And we're down there. And so we did. And she's like, oh, it'll be fine for you because you went to the catacombs. And I'm like, okay. Well, the catacombs are bones. Like, I don't know. There's not, to me, that's not really that disturbing. These mummies are like partially rotted mummy flesh. You know, it's very different. <laughs> Great description. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. And apparently, you know, they put a burial tax in Guanajuato. And if the families couldn't afford it, they would just dig up the people that were buried there. Like after they had been buried, this is like hundreds of years ago whenever this happened so they dug up a bunch of bodies and when they did they realized they were partially mummified because of the soil there so they found these mummies that they didn't know you know and so they kind of put them in the back room and then people started like supposedly people started bribing them to see them and then that's how the museum kind of came about and you go there and you know some of them are like mummies and it's not that bad and then the others it's like you know like murder victims and like gunshot wounds and there's a fetus and there's baby mummies and it is it is very intense and very kind of traumatic and and you know it was too much for me but I, I mean I went through all of it but I was like and the energy like I'm a very big you know believer in like you know intuition and energy and things and you know the the catacombs have been blessed and it didn't feel like anything but this place that did not the energy did not feel right for me so I was like okay I don't like this I need to not okay, be maybe here I'll skip that one and just look at the blog and live <laughs> there's pictures I, I I did the blog without the pictures originally about Guanajuato because some of them are, are like what nightmares are like there's one that that gave me nightmares and I was really ju I just kept thinking about her and it really traumatized me and so I didn't put the pictures in the blog and then I actually just released a separate blog with the photos that okay. so you people can click on it if they want to see they it search they, but they don't have to so if they can still read about guanajuato without seeing the pictures in the daytime when the sun's out exactly <laughs> right and i'm like i don't want to traumatize anybody right. so we'll just have like a special click you know over to it and then the you one that's in the cover it. of that isn't isn't is scary so it's like it's like something you would normally see so you're not like oh that's gotcha. terrible see this is another reason why i started doing this podcast because i had <laughs> no idea about any of this stuff so I learned a bunch of new stuff already today. <laughs> Are you planning any trips to write about soon? Hopefully, yeah. Well, actually, yes, for sure. Because in June this year, I decided for my birthday, um, I'm volunteering for my first uh, archaeological dig. Wait, you're not going to Disneyland on your birthday this year? No, I know. It's breaking the tradition. Oh, but Times are changing. Cambodia. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very different. I've actually never been to Asia, so I'm a little nervous, but... Um, Earthwatch is this great foundation, you know, where they, they put together archaeological teams or just research teams for science for, um, you know, scientists that want to look into the environment or help or, you know, do archaeological digs. And they run off of volunteers that want to come be a part of the team and see it without, you know, because I, I could never just have qualifications to be part of an archaeological dig. As much as I would love to, I don't. So I'm like, you know, I'll donate to Earthwatch and go be a part of this, you know, archaeological dig. So that's that's the next trip, and I'm pretty but you excited. But get, you get to write about it and put it in your blog. Yeah, and it's in, um, it's in Angkor Wat, so it's one of the seven wonders of the world. So I'm really excited to see that, and, you know, they're, they're digging the temples in that region. Okay. So I think that'll be really interesting. Although I've read that there's like scorpions and, and you know, yeah, I don't need none of those spiders and some, some not friendly monkeys. So I'm like, okay, this will be, you know, stay with the group, yep. <laughs> make good decisions. Don't wander off. <laughs> but so that's in June? That's in June. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be, hopefully I'm going to bring my GoPro too. I love bringing my GoPro everywhere. That's how I put together my sizzle reel for my show is uh -huh. just because I've had the GoPro with me most of the places I've been. So I'm hoping they'll let me, you know, just carry the GoPro, get some footage. And at least at the end of the day, kind of doing, I want to do a, just a blog or something where I can just talk, you know, on video about what we did that okay. day. I think that might be okay. kind of interesting. So people can go to your website and kind of follow along with that trip. Mm -hmm. And that's June. And then uh, if all goes well, you'll have that post on your blog. Mm -hmm. How soon after that? Hopefully, hopefully right after, hopefully the end of June, everything okay. will be up Depending because I'm pretty, schedule. pretty quick with all that, but that, and then, you know, I am also wanting to do like a weird Europe trip. I have never done like the big Europe trip where you just go everywhere. So next year for 2020, I'm planning on like 
doing the big Europe trip, going everywhere, but, you know, obviously some mainstream places, but then also some, like, less mainstream. Like, there's a bone ossuary in Prague that I think looks really cool, where I'm just like, I can't, can't not go there, so. She has a bone fascination. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, so that'll be, and then, and then ideally, obviously not anytime soon until, you know, I save up, but I definitely want to take a Jerusalem-Egypt-Petra yes. tour. That's on my mm-hmm bucket list if you will as well have you heard of uh masada it's like it's this place and it's somewhere i think it's near it's in israel like near the jerusalem where you can take a day trip out to masada and it's this elevated city it was like an old city like it's like in the middle of the desert and it's like up on a plateau and it was somewhere like i think at one point the jewish people went there as like to hide from the egyptians or people there being persecuted from, and when they came to take them back, there was this tiny, you know, tiny little narrow walkway to get up there. So they would try to, you know, be as safe as they could, but they realized they couldn't, and so they actually did, like, a mass suicide, like, in Masada. Like, it's it's crazy. And I actually heard about it on uh, the sci-fi show Destination Truth. They, like, investigated there. And they do day trips there where you can, like, kind of go see, like, because the town's still just how it was up in the plateau and the desert and so i want to check that out too i want to be josh gates he's like my hero he's like he he did this show called uh destination truth on the sci-fi love sci-fi channel on the sci-fi channel (laughs) and you know it it was like ghost hunters but they investigated like tribal myths and legends and monsters and things and and so and now he's he was like super he was very like a small thing and now he's very mainstream because he got a show on the travel channel right and um he has another one, I think, on Discovery that's called Expedition Unknown, where it's like a more mainstream version of that, where he investigates like King Arthur's legends and things of that nature. So it's sim- like what I want to do is similar but different because I also want to look at more like dorky and like LARPs <laughs> and things like of that nature. But 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 I like I mean, I admire his career. So I mm-hmm. hope to kind of, you know, develop something like that. You're on the right track. <laughs> You're on the right path. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, and again, that's Mallory'sAdventures.com is your blog. And you also write for Viva Glam magazine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I love Viva Glam. I was so excited to be the managing editor for this last edition that we had come out, the anniversary edition for 2018. And, you know, I love it because it's, it's very positive and uplifting. And, you know, it's, I get to write about travel and, and, you know, beauty and, and lifestyle and things, but, but just in a very positive way, you know, there's no negativity. It's, it's all about, you know, Lifting each other up, which mm-hmm. I love. Is Katerina going to want um, some of your travel stuff for the magazine, do you think? Probably. You know, I mean, I, I definitely, I try to make it more, you know, different for each place, but I do post a lot of, you know, travel stuff for Viva Glam, too. And I actually just went to the Travel and Adventure Show um, last weekend in San Diego, and that was kind of fun. You know, it was it's, it's a very different show. It's really interesting, and I wrote about my experiences for that for Viva Glam. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And do you model? Have you been in the magazine as well? Um, I, I've done some of the makeup tutorials and stuff. You know, I haven't modeled for a while, but I, I keep saying like, oh, I'm not really modeling because that was never my focus. You know, I was right. the, I was an actress. I went to school for it. And then I came out here and got a lot of modeling stuff and was like, oh, OK, well, it'll be like, you know, an, a side thing. But it was never my focus. And then whenever I, I'll say, oh, I'm not really modeling anymore, it winds up coming back, you know, and I, I book a job and I'm like, well, I guess I can't say no, you know. So last year, you know, I was doing that. Well, I'm not a model anymore. And then I booked a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, OK. Um, so I, I do some, some like beauty tutorials and stuff for, for that, for Viva Glam and Fashionizers is our other site. And you also host Models Talk occasionally? No, that's just oh, Candace. That's just Candace. Yeah. Okay. And then every once in a while, somebody with their baseball card collection will pull out a... <laughs> a benchwarmer card. Old classic. Does anybody remember <laughs> the benchwarmer cards? <laughs> so for the people that don't know what they are... What are they? They are collectible trading cards with models on them. So instead of collecting, you know, your favorite sports players, you can collect your favorite models. And, you know, we have like, you know, Carmen Electra was on them. And uh, like Sarah Underwood is really big. And I actually... And Mallory Mackey. (laughs) Yes. I actually wound up kind of running, in a way, Benchwarmer cards for a long time. Like I was kind of the 
because it's a very small, you know, operation. And, you know, Brian Wallace is the guy that runs it and owns it. And and I was his, like, main helper, I guess, to, to get all of it done. So, I mean, I for a while, I would pick the images that were going on the cards and then pick the girls that were going to be in each subset and send them to the designer and then organize the signing and get the girls to come in. And Candace would help me organize the signings because she was, like, really mm-hmm. good with that stuff. And then keep the schedule and then, you know, be there for the signing when everyone came in, make sure everything gets signed appropriately. And then after they would leave, organize it by subset, by, you know, by – because there's different um, – what is it called? Like there's like a soccer set, you know, and then there's like a baseball set. Like there's different ones. So I would keep those, you know, separate for when those come out and then the subsets from each one. And then I would also be there when we packed them and, you know, and got them shipped out to people. So I kind of saw that through all the way on every side, but it was fun. Like it was different. And, and, you know, Brian has no schedule. So it was kind of (laughs) random, which was great because, you know, being an actor or something, you know, I could, go off for two weeks on a movie and not worry about not having a job when I came back or you know I could I could we would work like I mean really like 10 p.m. to like 7 a.m. or something like we, like he never worked in the daytime so but it was nice because you know I could go to my audition in the daytime because I'm not working until you know 5 p.m. 10 p.m. whenever it happens so so it was really fun and, and different but I really enjoyed that cool yeah. So as far as acting stuff goes, um, Damien's going to join us in a little bit and we're going to talk more about what you guys have going on with your production company mm-hmm. and, and some of your other projects. But do you have anything coming up that's outside of that? Pretty much my sole focus right now is the travel stuff. So everything else I'm doing is just kind of through and with what Damien's doing. Like I okay. still audition and do those things, but you know when I when I start focusing on something, like my whole world singles around it. So that's how I get it done. <laughs> that OCD thing. Yes. It's a good thing. Well, it looks like your writing is taking off and bigger <laughs> bigger than you ever thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. I'm I'm very happy about it. Never never thought I'd be a writer, but I'm glad I am. Good. I think a lot of people are. I mean, <laughs> I enjoyed the book. So, you have anything else you want to add before Damien comes in and and No, I, th- I think we covered most of it. Takes over the microphone. Yeah, bring in Damien. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for coming on the show and everybody uh, this is going to be a two-parter. So, when Damien comes in, that'll be a separate episode. So, um again, thanks for coming on the show and I've enjoyed our conversations and um, learning all this new stuff. And I can't wait to go check out your blog when I get home. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Now you can find links to Mallory's book, social media and travel blog in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate it if you like and share it with anyone you think might enjoy the show as well. A new episode will be coming out real soon. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts to be notified as soon as they come out. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you soon.